guys, welcome back to another episode of Dig Deep with Raji, the podcast where you hear personal life stories beyond the surface. I am so excited for my guest today. This is going to be an awesome episode. But before I introduce her, I just want to give a big shout out to the Dig Deep family. I really appreciate all of you that listen. It's funny, I was just um, talking to my guest about, she's asking me how many people listen to the podcast. And there's actually um, a website that I can go on and I can see how many people actually listen. And, um, you know, it's not about the number. It has to, it's more for me about the impact. Um, and that's why I started this podcast. I just felt like, you know, we all have a story to share. We know so many wonderful people in our lives. And why not just sit around and have a conversation um, about meaningful things and others can learn from it. So, um, thanks so much for everybody who's listening. I love the, all the support and the messages. Uh, so keep them coming and I'll keep the podcast coming. All right. So I have my beautiful guest right in front of me. Her name is Renita Gopal. She's one of my dear friends. Um, she's an awesome woman. She's actually a true definition of a woman. She's uh, beautiful, strong. She's intelligent. Uh, she knows what she wants. She gets pretty much anything that she wants as well. Um, that's because she's got a heart of gold. So, hey, Renita, how's it going? Good. Thank you for that really kind intro. Yeah, no worries. Um, so the reason why I have Renita on here is because by profession, she is a clinical counselor. And she has her own practice. And um, how long have you been doing that for? Um, probably about, I've had my own practice, I think, for four years, four or five years, but I've been practicing as, practicing as a counselor for about 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. I didn't realize it was that long. Yeah. Hmm. That's awesome. So what made you want to go into this field? Was there some particular moment growing up that you were like, you know what, this is what I need to do. This is something that I've always desired to become. Hmm. And there's a couple things that come to mind. Um, Going back to grade two, I remember having a really compassionate uh, teacher, um, and her name was Miss Heal, actually, and uh, she just carried herself with so much warmth and kindness, and I always thought to myself, like, wow, I, I just admired that, and I, I wanted to mm-hmm. learn how to do that with other people. That, that's one of the things, honestly, that comes to mind. The other is that being the youngest in my family, I got to witness a lot. I'm the youngest. I have two older brothers, but I'm also the youngest as far as um, all my cousins on my father's side of the family. And uh, I got to see a lot. I got to see how people communicate with each other. I really got to see conflict in action. And um, Mm. I wanted to be involved in um, helping people work through some of the challenges that they might encounter. I think... I saw people suffering, and I I wanted to help and do something to alleviate that for people. And so I I remember knowing from uh, high school, grade eight, that this is what I wanted to do. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Good for you. Congratulations on your success. Thank you. So you know, for the listeners that haven't been to therapy. Uh, this session's all about therapy, y'all. So just uh, buckle up. And um, if you have been to therapy, that's great. If you haven't, that's something that maybe you might consider. Um, but how does therapy work? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, 
I think there is this uh, taboo or this perception that you only seek out therapy if there's something wrong with you. Hmm. Um, and so I think that's what makes people really apprehensive initially. It's like, it, it, yeah, that thought, it's daunting, right? Who wants to think that? Something's wrong yeah. with me, I have a problem, or this, there's this perception. Anyway, um, mm-hmm. going back to your question there of how it works. Uh, it's an opportunity for you to come in and share what's happening in your life. Uh-huh. So I have clients who just um, want to check in on a regular basis. They, they don't necessarily have a specific issue they want to work through. Uh, or it might have started off that they had a specific issue, we worked through that, and then they just want ongoing check-in. Uh, it can also be coming in for a specific thing, like relationship difficulties or um, working on self-esteem issues or whatever it might be. Right. Okay? And um, you come in and you use that space and you talk about what's going on for you. And uh, there's someone there who's willing to listen with warmth, with empathy, and and you don't have to worry about dumping because that's really right. your time, right? I, when we're with family and friends, I mean, there's this kind of this uh, unspoken social rule that you also want to check in with the other person to see how they're doing. But with therapy, it's a very one-sided relationship in that way, right? right? You come in and you don't have to worry about that. You just come in and share what's happening for you and you get 100% focus and attention on someone listening and um uh, helping you talk through it so that you gain some insights, mm-hmm. right? So it's not necessarily uh, people come in and you're going to be given advice on what to do because honestly, no one can advise you, right? Uh, in that way, you're you're. My perception is that you're the expert on your life. Yes, and so I'm here to guide you, um, right. guide you and and provide you with an opportunity to. Uh, to explore and come to the answers yourself. Yeah, you're the expert of your life. I really I like that. Like, you're the bus driver. You're the one who rides the bus, right? Exactly, so. yeah. I, there's this quote, I, I'm going to butcher it, but it's something to the effect that um, you're the magician, uh, right? I'm here to create the conditions under which that magic can happen. Beautiful. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, you know, I was listening to someone, and they were talking about, how when we play sports, we always have a coach, right? Like growing up, you have coaches and you they teach you how to, you know, certain skills, right? Um, related to that sport. But with your mind, you know, you don't have someone that really that helps you ma- navigate all the emotions that you're feeling, right? And so that's why in life, when you're older, people get therapy yeah. because they need someone for their mind, like, so it's, that was a kind of a, a neat analogy. Yeah. So for you, is there a particular like type of therapy you practice or a, a field that you specialize in? Yeah, good question. So it, my background is that I started off my profession as a child protection social worker. I did that for a while. I worked as a family counselor, and then I worked specifically with children and adolescents with uh, struggling with anorexia or bulimia, moved mm-hmm. on to adults with eating disorders, and then, um, then I started working for a naturopathic medicine school where I was really encountering um, all different kinds of issues. So it could be suicide ideation, it could be uh, trauma, it could be um, identity issues. So uh, as far as issues, I work with a variety of different 
people uh, and presenting problems. Uh, as far as my approach, I think maybe that's what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Um, my approach with working with people, I don't really have a one single approach. Okay. Um, I'll explain that. The foundation of my work is, I think, um, the first thing is that you have to be able to make people feel comfortable enough to share. Mm-hmm. So uh, my focus is on ensuring that I do that. So it's a very person-centered approach, it's called, right? So um, that's priority. And actually, the research also indicates that change is more apt to happen with clients if they feel comfortable with you. It's mm-hmm. less to do with specific strategies and techniques and more to do with how comfortable does that person feel with you to share openly and be willing to explore some right. of the painful parts of their life, right? Mm-hmm. So. Uh, that's the foundation of what I do. But some of the other therapeutic approaches that I work with um, include cognitive behavioral therapy. So that's uh, getting people to, oh, that's my six-month-old daughter, right? Yes. Yes, you want to say hello? Hi, sweetie. She's mm-hmm. absolutely adorable. Yeah, you're going to be a little chatty Kathy. <laughs> um, and so she, or sorry, um, person-centered, yes, let's get back on track here. So, um Cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's getting people to um, basically look at their thoughts, re-examine how they think about things. Um, mm-hmm. Adlerian psychology uh, is also another approach. Uh, Adlerian psychology is very much about how does your early life and what you go through impact your life later on. Uh-huh. So in that way, I explore family, yes. uh, family life. You know, what was it like growing up for you? What was your relationship like with your parents and your siblings? And uh, an exploration in that regard, because mm-hmm. the the idea is that we go through things um, at a young age and we um, make sense of our world right. based on some of those early relationships and and some of those beliefs that we make uh, serve us throughout yes. childhood. But as adults, they may not serve us anymore. So, yes. learning psychology is about uh, having people look into that, and yeah. um, so that's one approach. Uh, I also. Uh, like to utilize, I think there's a, a lot of power in um, learning to be in the present, connecting mm. with feelings and emotions. So emotion-focused therapy is also something I'm very interested in and incorporate in my sessions with clients. Is uh, you, you often hear people say, you know, you gotta, you gotta let it out, you gotta feel your feelings, but it's like, what does that actually really mean? Mm-hmm. And so I like to work with people in, in helping them connect with their emotions, learning what to do with it. How do you actually let go of years of sadness? Mm. How do you work through the process of grief, like at an emotional level? You know, yeah. we carry emotions in our body, so which leads to disease and everything else. So that's also something else I do. And finally, uh, the other piece connected to being present yes. is uh, mindfulness. Um, okay. And, you know, you might have heard that in many different lights. It's a, it's a huge... Buzzword, Buzzword days, yes. right? Yeah. yeah. But mindfulness is about paying attention in a particular way at, in the present moment very intentionally. Right. Okay? And uh, I think that we anxiety is such a common issue these days. And anxiety has so much to do with worrying about something that's taken place in the past or anticipating something that hasn't happened. And right. so the way to work through that is to learn to be in the present. And I think we we live in a society where life is always so busy and full, we forget to do that. So uh, mm-hmm. that's something else that I incorporate into my work with clients is is how can you learn to be in the here and now? Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes that is the way to work through our issues. It's like, let's stop worrying, mm-hmm. you know, about what took place in the past. Let's stop worrying about what's to come. 
So um, there's certain uh, experiential exercises that I facilitate um, for clients in the session. Yeah, so so a quick summary there, I, I work with uh, from the, the paradigm of cognitive behavioral therapy and Larian psychology, person-centered, mindfulness approach, and uh, emotion-focused therapy. Excellent. Yeah, thank you for that answer. I should have asked, what do you not do? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you nailed it there. So that's that's really neat. I didn't know that full breakdown and yeah. how you explain it there. Yeah. Um, so what about somebody who's, you know, first-time yeah. therapy, they're nervous, um, what kind of advice would you give someone who has never gone to therapy, feels like they need to, you know, take that first step? Do you have any advice for that person? Well, my advice is a couple things. Um, Brene Brown uh, is, you can look her up, but she talks a lot about vulnerability. Yes. And and, uh, it's scary being vulnerable and taking the risk to do something that we're not familiar with or comfortable with. And so I encourage people uh, to seize the opportunity to to look inwards, to right. be vulnerable, and trust um, that someone can hold the space for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and having said that, I, I think one of my for someone who is coming to therapy for the first time, I I often get calls, uh, you know, with people calling and inquiring about my services, and I often encourage them to go and speak to you know have a phone consultation with different people. So that's the first thing I'll say is. Um, call different therapists because you want to feel comfortable with the person that you're sharing with. There's there's no way that there's going to be any progress or change if you don't feel safe sharing. And and I think that you can get a feel for someone pretty quick. Right. So my first advice would be um, a lot of therapists offer a a quick phone consultation where they ask you about why you want to come to counseling. You can ask them questions. So seize the opportunity to do that. Mm-hmm. Seize the opportunity to be vulnerable because it's only through vulnerability that we can grow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, I'm trying to think like, you know, if we need a haircut, a lot of people, they want a different certain styles or certain coloring and they always look at different hairstylists to do their research, right? That's it's, right. it's very similar to yeah. go and do that. But people think of that as, like for me, that some people don't think that's normal to do because there's a stigma. Yes. Uh, with therapy. Yes. So why do you think there is a stigma on visiting a therapist, and why do you think that people don't talk about it? Yeah. So the stigma you ask about, yes. right? Um, I think that there's a few reasons for that. One is going back to something that I said earlier that people think that. Uh, it has to mean that there's something wrong with them, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a scary thought. Mm-hmm. My, my thought is that people aren't broken and need to be fixed. Um, right. I, the, that's not the way I view it, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, so I think it feels scary. I think it's also scary to open things up, right? People might have the fear of, well, if I open this up, like how am I going to work through this? What if I get stuck in this? What if I re-traumatize myself? Um, and the other thing is some people are also just not aware of the impact that their childhood might have had or of the impact of how they might have lost someone in their life. So I think it's also just a lot of people not really being aware of the fact that they could really benefit from counseling. Right. Um, so, so, yeah, I think the stigma is more related to just um, 
people feeling like they need to say or admit that there's something wrong with them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think self-awareness yes. is huge. Um, you said this earlier. You said that people come in also just to do check-ins. Yes. Right? And so I think some people think, well, I'm good. There's nothing going on. Like, I'm living my life. I'm fine. Like, there might be some small little things that trigger me to behave in a certain way. But there's nothing huge that happened to me. There's not a death that happened. There's not a traumatic incident There's not an injury or, you know, something that's really causing me to go to therapy. But that was really, the whole point is you can go in and do those mental check-ins. Right. Exactly. And and that's more like preventative health, right? Like go in, do those check-ins and explore. There could be, it, it doesn't, counseling doesn't, coming to counseling doesn't mean that you have to have this big issue. Yes. You know, it really doesn't have to look that way. It can just be, I want to come in and talk about my life. Yeah, and that's such a good reminder. So thank you for reminding us about that. Yeah. Do you do individual counseling or also couple counseling? Yeah, I do uh, all of the above. So I work okay. with families. I've worked with a, you know, a son and mother. Um, okay. I work with couples, um, interracial couples, same-sex couples, like all kinds of couples. Um, and individual therapy. So, yes, all of the above. Okay, excellent. So let's talk a little bit about daily routine for your mind. Um, do you have one? <laughs> I'd like to, honestly, if I'm being totally transparent here, I, I can tell you ideally what I'd like my routine to look like. But right now it's it's all kind of everywhere because I uh, – I've gone through some recent big changes in my life that I'm trying to adjust to. Um, we recently moved into our first home. Uh, I have a two-year-old and a six-month-old, so I'm learning to, to navigate as a mom with two kids um, in a new house. And, uh, yeah, so, so ideally my routine would be uh, to start my day slowly, it doesn't really start that way right now, but I think I, I accept and I know that that's just the reality of my life right now, you know, and I'm also not sleeping through the night. So I believe in getting a, you know, let's start with the night before getting into bed early. Right. Um, I like to read before going to sleep. It helps me really ground and unwind. Um, getting a, at least eight hours of sleep, if nice. not more. I like I like a little more, <laughs> uh, but I'm lucky if I get a, a couple hours straight these days. Um, yeah. I like to sleep in in the morning uh, when I can. And uh, I think starting the day by setting an intention, mm-hmm. you know, what's my hope for what I want this day to look like? Kind of mentally preparing for that um, helps me get through the day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think also taking at the end of the day, my habit for many years has been to reflect on my day and right. not reflect on it where I ruminate about the things I said that I didn't like or, um, you know, it, it's more reflecting on the day and thinking about, okay, like what happened today? Right. What do I feel grateful for? In what ways did I show up in my life with people or with my kids that I was happy about? But also, in what ways did I show up with people in my life that I feel like I could adjust, that maybe weren't fair or weren't my brightest moments, 
You know, mm-hmm. like, how would I want to shift and change that? So in that way, I think what I'm talking about is building a, a system or practice of um, self-awareness, mm-hmm. right? So uh, for me, that's really important. I, I'm really committed to ongoing growth. Mm-hmm. I don't think that ever stops. And, and this is my uh, practice in in line with that. Yeah, that's awesome. For me, when I wake up, I... I always like working out or sweating first thing, like in the yeah. morning. So on an empty stomach, I'll go for a run. Or uh, right now, I'm not. I can't. I'm injured. So there's a lot of mental health stuff going on yeah. with me. It's been tough that yeah. I can't do that. But then I've kind of shifted my my uh, routine by me. If I'm not physically able to do that, I'm starting to slowly learn how to meditate. Ah, yeah. Um, I'm a big like I visualize a lot. Yeah. Um, but I haven't really consistently added like meditation to my practice, which I'm becoming very aware of that. And I've, I just, uh, yeah. So wanted to share that I've been actually taking this course, um, with Vishen Lakani, who's this amazing, um, inspirational mentor. I used to be a monk before, but this course is called becoming extraordinary. (laughs) And, um, one of the things he says in that is that the mind can shift the world around you. Mm. And he tells you that in the morning you should visualize and suggest how you want your day to be mm. just like what you had said. Mm. So you can take a quick, like when you're brushing your teeth or you're in the shower, you're visualizing, yeah. you know, if you're going out on a date, a brunch date with, you know, coworkers, how is that going to look? Yes. You're going to go for, um, you know, walk around the park with your mom. What kind of conversations are you guys going to have? Like, how is that going to look? How are the trees going to look? How are you going to feel? So actually really just first thing in the morning, planning in your mind how you want the day to actually be. And then he goes, just try it. He goes, it's it's pretty powerful. It's pretty magical because it kind of just makes things happen for you yeah because the mind is so powerful yes yes and and i um there's so much power in visualization and i'm glad you bring that up because that is certainly something that i incorporate in my sessions as well where appropriate mm-hmm. um when we started our session today you know you very graciously highlighted how uh, i've been able to achieve many things in my life Right. Um, and I feel really fortunate for that because I grew up in a life circumstance that supported that, that I was able to do that. You know, I had loving, supportive parents. I had amazing family and friends and still do. And I think all of that, it contributes to my success. Mm-hmm. And another big part of that was setting an intention. You know, what do I want my life to look like? And actually visualizing, mm-hmm. you know, what that will be. Um, you know, where do I see myself working? What kinds of people do I see myself working with? Um, and actually seeing myself in that really helped me uh, move towards that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I and you know you're an athlete. Uh, there, there's a lot of actually these professional teams will spend uh, like they'll actually visualize together as a team mm-hmm. uh, how they're going to win a game, you know, or that kind of. So there's really a lot of power in that. There is a lot of power in it. That's that's very true. So do you see a therapist? Yes, good question. Okay. Yeah. Oh, no, yeah. I'm not this enlightened person that knows it all. And I think, <laughs> if anything, uh, it, my my thought is that as therapists, we can sometimes have more blind spots um, where we, we aren't 
uh, as apt, maybe. Well, I'm generalizing. So I'm, I'll stop right there. But yes, <laughs> let's go back to your question. Okay. Um, yes, I do. The therapist I see is actually an instructor that I had going through grad school. And um, her approach and way of being really resonated with me. And so um, she's someone that I'm seeing now. I also uh, consult with her. So, you know, as a therapist, I think it's important uh, to chat with other therapists about the work. And so I have a team of other therapists that I work with mm-hmm. uh, that I meet with on a monthly basis, uh, two, ther- two other therapists, actually. Mm-hmm. And then I've got uh, this therapist that I see uh, to consult with about once a month. And mm-hmm. I also see her for my own therapy. So, nice. yes. Yeah, so it's all about, like, building. You call it, like, people call it building your board of directors. Yeah, Right. So you have to kind of have a, each member has to kind of contribute to your life and having a therapist is so essential yeah. and so important for your mind. For sure. So yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. So what about those days when you that you're just mentally exhausted? Okay. I know you, you're a mom of two young kids and now you have a session coming up. A client's going to come see you in an hour or so. How do you turn off all that noise in your head and just now you got to concentrate on that client? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's a really, really good question and an important one, actually, because I think the same is true with how do I uh, be present 100% with the client, but then how do I also be present 100% with my kids and my partner, you know? We'll pause right there and let her... Hi, sweetie. So, um, yeah. So how do I do that? It's it's a skill that takes time to develop. And and the skill is similar to meditation. You have to learn to discipline the mind. Right? So uh, over the years, what I've learned to do is when I step in, when I step into a session with a client, um, I, I don't just walk into the room. There's actually a whole lot of other stuff that happens for me as I step into that room. I see. I step in and I carry with me uh, the love, the warmth that I want to emit into that room. Uh, so I step in with that intention. I step in with the intention to be of service. And that puts me in the right mindset to then be present where I am. Uh, I use my sense of hearing my sense of sight to bring myself present into that room. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, uh, <laughs> that's part of what I do uh, is I, I discipline the mind to stay focused where I am. Um, stepping out of therapy when I am coming back into um, life with my family, uh, it's uh, connecting with the emotional feeling of joy that I get from being with them. So I ground myself in that, and that's how I step into my life outside of therapy. So it's mm-hmm. it's really a it's like changing the channel, oh. right? When I go into therapy, I'm changing the channel and uh, adjusting my TV oh. and uh, holding my remote a certain way. And then when I am stepping back into my life, I am turning that you know, channel to another channel. Mm-hmm. And I'm paying attention to the vibrant colors on the screen of that channel 
So mm. yeah, I don't know if that I like that. No, I really like that. That's a that's a cool analogy. Now, speaking about clients, what about your friends? So say I know you've um, <laughs> you know helped me quite a bit. You know, there's times when I phone Rita and I'm like, just stay on the phone with me, and she's like, okay. And you're so you're just so good at what you do, but like on a professional level, I haven't experienced that, but I don't need to because of the years of friendship I've had with you. Um, you've just helped me so much in, in so many ways. And it's just, sometimes it's just you being there and just your calming presence, um, which just really calms me down. And you, you know me pretty well, so you know what how I react. Um, but is there times when, say, like a friend is venting to you and you're just kind of, uh, I know you're not going to insert yourself, into the conversation or give that person advice but is there any time that you're like you just want to like step in and just tell them how you feel oh yeah totally absolutely and this is the thing as a therapist I can't do that right I have to support people in getting to the answer themselves and I'm certainly not an expert on my clients lives or my friends lives but I have less of a filter with my friends and in fact I intentionally I, I, yes, I, I admit that same love and unconditional positive regard to my friends as I do with clients. Um, but I know with my friends, I don't have the responsibility of having to have such a strong filter. Right. And and to be honest, it wouldn't be fair for me to operate as a therapist with my friends, right? It's almost could be manipulative if I ask certain questions to you know, to dig in a certain yeah. way. So rather than doing it in that way, I'm actually a lot more direct with my friends. Uh, if they're asking me what I think about a situation, I, I might share right. a little more readily than I do with clients. You know, I'll, sure. I'll also with my friends, uh, include myself in the conversation, you know, by sharing my own personal experiences with something that they might be going through. I, I don't necessarily do that with clients because that's, that's a hundred percent my client's time. But with friends, there isn't that same level of responsibility or commitment that I have to make. So, so um, yeah, I, I give, I share my perspective, and I think my friends appreciate that. They don't want me to. If they want therapy, they're going to go to a therapist. Yeah, for sure. Right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, one of the things you said was that you're not going to give the client answers. Like that's not your job. Yes. To give them answers. So when you do go into therapy, is there ever a time where, you know, the client's really pushy or they, they're not able to navigate on their own. So they're just kind of seeking, well, you give me the answer. Like you should know you're the professional. You should know. How come you're not telling me what to do? Tell me, like, give give me, give me a a plan. Like ABC, what do I do? Yeah. But that's not therapy. No, so I, there's a couple ways I can answer that. One is if someone's really pushing for that, and believe me, they do. It's like, what am I paying you for? Right? That's sometimes a misconception with therapy. It's like, well, you know, I'm paying you for advice and for you to tell me what to do here. And my answer is pretty direct that I cannot tell you what to do because I'm not the expert. Mm-hmm. I'm not the expert generally, but I'm definitely not the expert of your life. So if I tell you to do something, that's going to be informed by how I feel. That's going to be informed by my morals and my values. So it's it's actually just not applicable. So right. I, I will say that, that I can't tell you what to do here. I can't tell you whether or not you should leave this relationship because my values around what a relationship is, 
differ from yours. But what I can help you do is get to the answer, right? And I'm going to highlight for you some inconsistencies maybe I see here. Mm-hmm. You know, I see you saying that you value this in a relationship, for example, but then you're doing this. Right. So that's where my direction comes from, is I'm going to highlight things that I see. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to help summarize and pinpoint some of the things that clients are um, identifying. Because we might think and feel a lot of things, but sometimes it's when we say it out loud that we really understand the significance of some of those things. Um, or it, having someone there to help you recognize the significance of what's being said. Right. So that's where I step in. So no, I, I can't tell you what is the best thing for you to do, but I certainly feel confident helping you uh, by guiding you through that process. Okay. Right? And there are going to be times where it's appropriate and necessary for me to be direct. Uh-huh. Right? And I'll give you an example. I have sure. a client that I'm working with, and she's in an emotionally abusive situation, and it becomes my responsibility to highlight that for her, to tell her, hey, I just want you to know this is what I see. And these things indicate to me that you're in a relationship that actually isn't very healthy for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know this based on, yeah, what I read. But I read, I, you know, I also know this based on what you're describing to me. These are examples you're giving me of, of things that are taking place in your relationship. So, um, you know, I, I need to gently share with you here that you're in a relationship that actually isn't really um, benefiting you. Mm-hmm. And here's why. So that's not rooted in my, so this is an important thing to note is, it's not my opinion that I'm putting out there. It's my observation, right? So in some situations, I do have to be more directive, right? Yes. Um, it, yeah, does that help answer your question? Yeah, it totally does. So for the people that haven't been to therapy, can you kind of walk them through what physically the room looks like? You know how, um, yes. are they lying on a couch? <laughs> like, but they're, you know their feet up and are they closing their eyes or what? Like how, how does your setting look? Like? Yeah. So I'm going to tell you what the setting looks like normally. And then I'm going to tell you what the setting looks like now with COVID. COVID. Okay. okay. So normally, um, the, the process from start to continuation, I want to say is, um, we would have a phone consultation. I offer a free 15 minute phone consultation. And that time is meant for clients to uh, future potential clients to share with me a little bit about what's happening in their lives. Um, And it'll give me a chance to let them know if I can support them through that, right? Because there are circumstances where someone might be sharing something and I might, it's very rare, but it might be that I might not be able to help them, right? Um, It might be something that is too specific or it might be something that's just not my area. But to be honest, that doesn't really happen that often. Okay. Um, uh, but that time is to help assess for that. Uh, it's really a time for the person to get a feel for what it would be like to work with me. So I like to give a little roadmap. Hey, based on what you've shared with me, uh, here's how we could work through it. Here are the approaches that I work from. Here's how it would be applicable to your situation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a time for people to ask me questions that they have, you know, around fees, um, around appointments and, you know, uh, frequency of appointments, whatever the questions are. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after we have our phone consultation, if people want to schedule an appointment, excuse me one second. Um, if people want to schedule an appointment, then uh, we go ahead and schedule an appointment. Right now, okay, so I'm going to stick to the regular option. Okay, regularly yep. 
Uh, it's typical for people to want to meet in person, but there are some circumstances in which people want to meet virtually. So that was always the case. Some people just have a hard time uh, making the drive out. Uh, and so uh, I offer phone and uh, video sessions as well. Okay. But most people like in person. So if you're coming in person, you walk through the door. Uh, I would normally like to have tea or something to be able to offer people. Uh, there's a seat for you. There's a seat for me. I've got blankets. I've got pillows. Uh, there's no lying down. Um, <laughs> but I want people to feel comfortable. So you come in and you have a seat. And, and you know, it's funny. I have clients... Uh, that will come in, take their shoes off, put their feet up, and, and you know, sit up on a chair. So sit however you like. I just want you to feel comfortable. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's the space. Um, I do intend to put pictures of my space up on my website. I haven't gotten there quite yet. Okay. Uh, I do have my own home office that I operate from in New Westminster. And so that's what it looks like when people are coming in in person. And then, you know, we do the work. Mm -hmm. um, now, with COVID, what it looks like mm -hmm. is uh, people come in, well, a lot of people, first of all, are opting to have phone or video sessions, okay? Okay. Um, but some people still want to come in in person, which is totally fine. So right mm -hmm. now, I'm asking everyone to wear a mask. I'm doing the same. As soon as they walk through my door, there's a small table to the left-hand side where there's hand sanitizer, there's lotion, there's yeah. tissue. Uh, people put their things uh, on that table. They take their shoes off and leave it by the door. There's no tea or water offered at this time. Um, the blankets are there. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and so people take their shoes off. They sanitize. They sit uh, on the chair, which is covered uh, by a sheet. And I change that sheet for every client mm -hmm. um, so that they have a new one to sit on. Okay. Um, and then uh, from there, there's also a hand sanitizer next to them and a box of tissue. Because, um, you know, sometimes people become emotional as they're sharing the intimate details of their life and what's happening for them. So, uh, you know, they might wipe their nose and whatever else. So there's sanitizer there for people. Right. As they do that, a garbage can right next to them. Okay. Um, so all the safety protocol is all in place. Yes. And I'm sitting further apart than I normally would. Okay. Excellent. Um and then I like our sessions when we have wine and dark chocolate. <laughs> and I think those are like the after hour ones. That's yeah. That one, uh, that one isn't for everyone. <laughs> no. Um, so as far as like homework, do you give people homework after your, is that something that you should expect? Great question. We're applicable. Yes. I think most of the change actually happens between sessions. Um, that's when people have an opportunity to start to make changes behaviorally. Uh, to start to shift their mentality and practice that in their day-to-day. -day. So, yeah, it's typical for me to say, hey, okay, between today and our next session, um, you know, how about practicing this that we spoke about in session? Uh -huh. You know, and let's say for someone it's uh, practicing the step of learning to be alone. Uh -huh. Well, okay, between now and the next time, how do you feel about going for a walk on your own? Um, you know, and, and I'm just putting that as an example there. I normally don't set people's goals for them. It's based on, you know, something they want to do, but what I help them do is make that goal smart. You might've heard that acronym mm -hmm. where you're making it specific and measurable and attainable and realistic and time centered, right? Okay. Where you're just helping people set some concrete goals. That's something that they can practice between sessions for sure. So 
Uh, it's not, you know, I don't do that with every client every time. I do do that more often than not because mm-hmm. that's what people seem to need and want is a chance to practice what they're doing in therapy. Right. So I've gone to therapy before. Yes. And um, I've gone to work-related therapy for traumatic events that I've been um, witnessed and I've been part of. And then I've also gone to pers- for personal reasons. Yes. And I always find when I walk out of that session, I feel really like as if my mind is so much lighter yeah right as if like you lifted a whole bunch of weight off your shoulders yeah so you know um really recommend therapy for for everyone that's listening even if you um are really hesitant and trying you know just try it you never know how much of an impact it will be for your life um, and, and you know Hardy, i just want to say i'm really yeah. glad that you shared that experience that there is a lightness And I want to also acknowledge the fact that some people don't leave therapy in that way. So what do I mean when I say that? Well, if you're talking about traumatic things that have happened for you, we cannot possibly in 50 minutes uh, fix that and make you feel better about it. Right. Okay. So sometimes it's not going to be neatly packaged up and you're leaving feeling this lightness. Sometimes you're going to leave feeling um, unsettled. Yes. But you will not be leaving my office feeling ungrounded. Right. So if we've talked about some really painful, activating things, and I, I'm going to be able to pick up on that non-verbally or even verbally with what you say, that you're feeling really activated and it's almost hard to step back into your life, step back into your relationship that you've just spoken about at length. Well, I'm going to ensure that you're leaving our session feeling grounded, hmm. right? So. I'll guide you through an experiential exercise or talk you through it so that you might not leave that session feeling that, what's the word, resolved. You might leave feeling unsettled, but you'll leave feeling grounded and able to step back into your life so that you can function in the way that you did before you came into session. Mm-hmm. Oh, I really like that. Thanks for sharing that. Yes. So you had mentioned earlier that we carry a lot of childhood trauma with us in our adult years um we don't need to get into that too much but now i kind of want to flip the coin a little bit because you're a mother of two young children yeah are you very mindful of how you are parenting versus how you know your parents parented (laughs) (laughs) that's a great question um i like to think i am okay? okay um I do like to think I am. Uh, My husband and I are very committed to people who know us will sometimes make fun of us in a joking way that we have a very unique way of communicating. Uh, And to give you some context there, my husband works as a civil engineer. His background as far as education is that, but he also uh, completed a counseling program. So we have some pretty powerful connected conversations. Yes. Um, And so we like to teach our kids about emotional awareness. We like to do that in subtle ways with my two-year-old. It's giving him the chance to feel his frustrations. If there's something that he wants that we're not giving him. Mm-hmm. And he's feeling upset about that. It might be typical for us to say, hey, um, yeah, I know that's really disappointing for you right now. You really want to play with this truck, but it's time for a nap. Mm-hmm. Um, I know. And how can I support you right now? So. That is a way that we might speak, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and there's other times where I might have had a rough night. Yes. Uh, I haven't eaten 
Yes. Uh, because I've been so busy cleaning dirty diapers and running after the kids, mm-hmm. right? That um, I I don't have that same kind of patience and uh, attentiveness that I can bring. So I have moments of feeling really frustrated um, and letting that frustration be seen by my son. So, I, or my, you know, I say my son because two, being two, he, he can be really testy yes. right now, you know, um, or really resistant to doing what I ask. And so I, I, I want to say that I, I want to step in with that same kind of awareness and support for my kids, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm human, and and it would be dishonest for me to say that there's not times that I get frustrated and that I might raise my voice or that I might be really short. Um, whenever I do that, I will say this: I commit to talking to him after. Okay. Right? So I'll say, "Hey, I'm I'm sorry. That wasn't okay for me to yell at you. Uh, I was feeling really frustrated. Yes. Um, but that wasn't okay." So, um, you know, and to be honest, he, he might not even really understand fully <laughs> yeah. what I'm saying, but I believe kids start to develop feeling at a young age. Right. And, um, yeah, and so I'm teaching him the skill of that. Yeah, we got to get the soother here. Yeah. We need some soother action here. Yes. She wants to be a part of this. She wants to talk all about it. There you go, my Makes you want to report about how you're behaving as a mom. <laughs> that's right. She's like, Mom, you are not patient. <laughs> so that's super cool that you do that. You have the little, like, you know, it's kind of like a locker talk at the end of it. Like, you're, you yeah. know, at the end of the game, you're like, you sit him down, and you're like, okay, this yeah. is how. But I, I remember we talked about how he was on the phone, like that pretend phone. I was pretending. Can you share that? Fun- that was hilarious. Oh, right. Yeah, he'll do different things. So he was, he just picked up, it wasn't even a phone. He just picked something up and he said, uh, hi, daddy. Uh, messy? Okay. All right. Uh, okay, grandma. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm just watching him say this, but that was an example of how you know, these kids are sponges, right? They hear yes. everything that you say and how you say it. It wasn't just the fact that he, you know, he paired these words together. I'm glad to hear you. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. It was how he said it. Oh, I'm glad to hear that, Grandma. Mm-hmm. You know? And I thought, wow, like, I really better watch what I say and how I say it, you know? Because he's picking up. Yeah, picking and that, up. that's just from two parents that have that sort of you know, therapy, counseling background, which yeah. I think he's going to turn out, they're both going to turn out to be amazing, <gasps> wonderful human beings because they have you guys oh, as a role model. Very sweet. So, Renita, for all the parents out there, I know that you're you're quite mindful when you when you parent and, you know, when you're talking to your kids, uh, you're very aware of how you speak to them, what tone of voice. Now, can you just share maybe some moments of frustration? I know you've called me and you're like, I just blew up on the kids. Like this little guy's like causing me so much (laughs) stress. I just want to, and I won't repeat it. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Some advice for parents on how to navigate that. Yeah. So uh, first of all, I just want to normalize, like I do this work 
right? I, I teach people how to calm themselves, to feel their frustration. Man, but some of that, a lot of that can go out the door, right? When you're in the midst of it as, as a mom, right? We do so much all at once. And so I have my moments of feeling so frustrated and I show up in ways that I'm not always happy with, right? So I just want to normalize, like, that. Like that is just the, the guilt that we feel as moms. Like, it's just so reoccurring, right? So how do I deal with it? Um, yeah, there's moments I blow up, but I think uh, we do show up in ways in our life that we're not always proud of, right? We feel ashamed. And yeah. I think... Um, Take that as an opportunity to, that's information, right? When you feel shame or you feel regretful about something you've done, it's an opportunity um, to, like, it's all about how you respond. Uh, I talked to my husband about it. I feel like he is so amazing, honestly. Like, he's such a patient guy. But I will talk to him about it. Mm -hmm. I learn a lot from him, so I'm really open. I step in openly and learn from him. Uh, how he manages his frustration. Uh, how is he patient when our son is asking for the same thing over and over again? How does he do that? Mm. Um, and uh, he helps me understand that these are kids. Uh, he helps me understand that they have their motivations and feelings. And, and um, yeah, so I think it's almost like there's empathy there too, right? Empathy for why is he freaking out right now? Why is he being so persistent? Well, he doesn't really know any other way to be, and this is his way of trying to get what he wants, and that's all he knows. So um, how I deal with it is by trying to empathize with my kids and where they're at. Right. Uh, I be kind to them, and I also have to be kind to myself. So there, there are times when I say things that I'm not proud of it, and I feel the shame of that, and I uh, accept that I'm feeling that, mm-hmm. um, and I try not to judge myself too harshly. So, Renita, is there a certain type of client that you're regularly seeing? Like, do you usually see a lot of men or women or different cultural backgrounds? Um, I tend to see a lot of females. I do have some male clients. Lately, um, I've been seeing a lot of young South Asian women. Uh, Within our culture, it's often been emphasized to keep your problems within the four walls of your home. Yeah. And so um, I think that's taken its toll on our community. And I think uh, young people, uh, especially women, because we have to keep so much more inside, right? Yes. And I think uh, I end up seeing some of these young South Asian women because there's certain things that only we can understand, right, mm-hmm. within this community uh, of young women. Like uh, I was joking about it with a client um, that I had initial an initial consult with. She said, you know, I, I, I saw your profile. I saw that you're South Asian. You probably get uh, some of the things that we go through more than someone else might. Right. Um, and uh, I said, yeah, who else is going to understand you when you have to say, it was hard for me to date openly. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, wasn't fun having my... Uh, boyfriend at the time dropped me a couple hours away from my, or not a couple hours. <laughs> well, in extreme cases, maybe, right? In extreme but cases. But like a couple blocks away from my house, you know? Fair, yeah. Um, or making up code names of, you know, female <laughs> code names for the guys that we're dating, you know? Yeah. So we've all been there. We've all been there. So I think, um, you know, in that way, I, for whatever reason, well, for that reason, I'm seeing a lot of young South Asian women right now. 
Yeah, that's interesting. Because I know that when I was seeking a therapist, I actually did the same thing. Yeah. I actually thought that, you know, because of the cultural reasons, I'm going to find a female who's brown or who's South Asian, right? So just because then I don't have to explain to them the cultural um, stigmas that we have or the pressures or the stereotypes, right, that we we carry with our culture. So, yeah, that's, that's interesting. Yeah. So, you know what, we're just going to wrap up this session. Um, Before I do that, though, for everybody out there that, you know, wants to reach out to you, Renita, what's the best way? I know you're on Instagram, so I've got your handle here, Renita Counselor, all lowercase. And um, you have a website? I do. It's uh, renitagopal.com. So the best way to reach me is really uh, by email, which is on my website. Uh, you can also give me a call. Um, if I don't answer your call, I'll give you a call back. My voicemail is confidential. Uh, so my phone number is 604-765-3195. Um, yeah, and I encourage you to, you know, I might not be, this is a thing to remember, I might not be the counselor that you want to meet with, but I really invite you to explore the possibility. Um, cause I might give you information about someone else that you might want to see, or you might feel a fit with me. Um, yeah, exactly. that's a way to reach me. I, like I said, I operate out of new Westminster right now. I'm also offering, and this is always the case at uh, phone sessions and video sessions. I meet with clients on Skype or whatever platform is out there. Um, that's a way to reach me. Awesome. You know what? Thank you so much. I know you're so busy with your life. Um, you know, you've got the young kids, you've got this new house with all these rentals, and I know you don't have a lot of time, and I really appreciate you um, doing this for me. She made me breakfast this morning, everyone, and the, ke- the ketchup she made was shaped as a heart. So <laughs> this is this is who I'm speaking to. This is who I've been friends with for years, and she's such a sweet soul. So I'm just so lucky to have you in my life, Renita. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I love you so much, and I know this episode is going to make an impact. So thanks for your time. Well, thank you, and I love you. And I just want to say that, you know, you mentioned there's so much that you get from our relationship, and I just want to say that there's so much that you teach me as well. And, um, yeah, and I and I so appreciate you too. All right. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Okay, take care. And that's a wrap, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Like Renita said, you can reach her at 604-765-3195. You can call her or text her to reach out. You can also find her on her website, www.renitagopal.com. It's really important for us to be in tune with our mental health. And if you felt like this episode was important for you to listen to, share it with someone else who's in need. You never know, you might be able to really help somebody that's in a dark place right now or even potentially save a life.